Hey, welcome to the Pharmacy Residency Podcast, a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm Tony Guerra. You can email me at tonythepharmacist at gmail.com or check out any of the courses at residency.teachable.com, whether you're trying to figure out the top 200, uh, phase two as things are moving along, or uh, the interview course. So I want to talk today about rejections due to letters of recommendation. And what I want to do is take a step way back from the residency process and explain a little bit more about what happened when we moved from the bachelor's to the PharmD. So in the bachelor's program, you would have three months of training. So you would have a community, a hospital, and an elective. And then usually you would actually come back to campus for the law. So the students were only gone for three months. It was kind of like almost like a summer where you just go away and come back and you know you say your hellos to everybody and, and then you reunite and you kind of bring everything together but you're not gone for that long. Now however uh, you can be gone for up to a whole year and you may never come back uh, and next time you see anybody is at graduation. But the big issue is that preceptors are not paid. So when you are paying whatever tuition you are uh, on the low end, very low end, uh, you're paying between twenty and twenty-five thousand a year uh, for tuition. On the higher end, uh, you're paying up to sixty thousand uh, a year, uh, up to seventy-five thousand if you're in a three-year program. And there's some expectation that there's going to be a relationship between you and the professors that are writing the recommendations. However, when it comes to residency, when we're talking about final year preceptors, we're talking about people that are not paid by the school. So the, they get titles, not money. Uh, it was actually an old Cheers episode where Rebecca didn't have enough money to pay anybody for raises, so she gave them new titles. And I actually had to get rid of my title because the college said, well, since you have a title, then any materials that you make, uh, we should be able to look at them and see if that we're due any money. So if you are a preceptor, make sure that you don't have a relationship with a school that is going to take your money for doing something for free. On that end, though, even if the school pays the preceptor's site, it's really unlikely that it actually, that money actually makes it to the preceptor. So in general, someone that you're working for in your clinical appies is not being paid. Okay, There is a relationship with the school, but it is not much of one. Uh, they just, every once in a while, send an email, thank you, this and that but there is not much of a relationship in that way. Preceptors do it because they enjoy it, they enjoy being around people, and they, they want to help. Now, that being said, when it comes to the actual recommendation form, and let me pull it up here. Okay, so you should be able to see the very end of the recommendation form. And there's a mis misunderstanding that this is always read from top to bottom. It's actually usually read top, and then either they will not read the rest of it at all, or they will go back up to the top. And let me explain. So the only part that is individual, individual to this site, is this last box. Enter any comments concerning the candidates fit to this particular program. Comments entered here will only be provided to this specific program. 
it can't carry forward to future references. So when, as a preceptor who's making a recommendation, we are recommending their fitness for this particular program. Now, some can leave it blank, or some will write something generic, and it's clear that they didn't really have the relationship they needed to make this. And that's why I said, you know, we really have to uh, let the preceptors know what this is why I'm picking this program and then this is why I'm picking this next program because you know if you're if you're making 12 to 18 applications uh, they need to kind of get in your head and understand what you're doing but this is the big big deal okay I highly recommend I recommend I recommend with reservations I do not recommend okay so this is what happens when we're doing our evaluations for the student and we're doing them for the school, they don't match generally with this recommendation form. What would make sense is that there is a universal recommendation form for residencies and APPI students. That way, all of this stuff is the same and we don't have to do this whole other thing to get recommendations done for residency. It doesn't take as much time. But instead, for the schools, the six schools that I take students from, I've created maps that map these characteristics to the characteristics that I evaluated them on. So whatever it was that I evaluated them on writing skills, I can look to that old recommendation and say, okay, well that would fit here, that would fit with leadership, that would fit with assertiveness, and so forth. And then I, I have a discussion with the student about this and how, when they're at other appies, they should be saying, okay, well, with these aspects, I'm looking to do a residency, with these aspects, uh, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? And so that those things are already done before they ever leave, and they can be documented so that three months later when they ask for a recommendation, the preceptor can go right to this and go, oh, yeah, okay, I remember doing that for you. All right, no problem. But the issue is that it's I highly recommend, I recommend, I recommend with reservations, and I do not recommend when we see I highly recommend there's other things that are similar to that in the evaluations of the student for the appies and for the appies for example there's a one school that does honors so I you can get regular and you can get honors for some they say it's just a project so if you do a great project then you should get honors but the way that they actually phrase it is the top 10 or 15 percent of students could get honors but most preceptors aren't going to have 10 people before that happens. So when you do that, you have to say, well, would this be one of the very best I will have or did have? And if you have years of experience, you can figure out, yeah, that's, that's probably the case. But that's a really small number to give honors. Okay? So generally it doesn't work. But that mindset of this unpaid preceptor who is using a completely different form and completely different rationale for the school of top 10%, top 15% is now going to, I highly recommend, and seeing it as a top 10% when it is actually an 80% thing. So the data show, at least where I found it, that 80% of the time, someone will put, I highly recommend. And you say, well, that's crazy. How could it be so high? The residency sites are not asking 
for recommendations from all of your rotations. So for most schools that do about eight, unless you have the six weeks, which cuts you down quite a bit and it's a real problem. But if you have those four and five weeks, you're probably gonna do about eight of them. All a residency site is saying is, can you find three of those eight people that will highly recommend you? That isn't really a high bar to get to, if you think about it. So what I'm trying to say is, especially if you're a P2 and P3, is that you want to find places that you know you're going to thrive in at least four or five so you can take the best three of them. Okay, So let's think about this a different way. You could get C's, quotation fingers, I recommend this candidate with, res if we want to put this as an A, B, C, or D, I highly recommend as an A, I recommend as a B, I recommend with the reservations as a C, and I do not recommend as a D or F. If we want to kind of put it that way, all they're saying is, did you find, can you find three A's out of eight? Okay. Now for you guys that are doing six week rotations, obviously it's going to be a little bit harder. You're going to have fewer rotations, as few as I think six is what I think is the, the lowest number I've seen. Can you find half of your preceptors that will give you an A? I don't think this is an unreasonable request from the residency sites for that to happen, but what I'm unfortunately seeing and why I'm starting to see and, and created the phase two thing already is that I'm starting to see that some people trusted and didn't understand how that works. They saw that they needed to have three clinical programs okay, ahead of time and because you don't have all of your appies done, it's not really three out of eight. It's actually more like three out of five. Okay, but still, that's not a huge, huge number. You know, we're just saying, okay, does the majority of the preceptors that you've had believe you deserve an A? And those are the ones that you wanna use. Now, many students are getting rejections immediately because of these last two boxes. This is the easiest way to reject a candidate because if in their letter they didn't explain the fit and their recommenders don't explain the fit and their recommenders give them anything less than highly recommend, it's an easy rejection. Now it comes to how do I fix that? What usually happens is that, and I know that it's inconceivable that after two years of pre-pharmacy, maybe four, four years, two, three and a half years so far of pharmacy school, that your road to residency can be derailed by a single person. It is so hard to wrap your head around that. Okay? And I, my heart goes out to those people, it really does. But what happened was, and what I'm guessing happened is, that when you said, can you write a positive recommendation, they said yes. And they wrote the recommendation. They may have just put, I recommend. They may have said, 
Yeah, I mean, it's positive. It's not negative. Because I recommend, and I highly recommend, are both positive. And most students are uncomfortable saying, in the very last point here, would you be able to put, I highly recommend this candidate? They would rather, well, they wouldn't rather do this, but they do it. They, unfortunately, go into the process like, all right, well, I'm just going to hope for the best, and I'm going to go through this process, and I'm just going to trust that they highly recommend. And they're right to do so, because four out of five times, that's the case. But what happens a lot is a positive recommendation is still I recommend. They do recommend you. They just don't highly recommend you. You're not the top 10% in their head. And that comes from this lack of standardization between what you have as an evaluation of your appy and this ASHP residency thing. And that's something they should be able to figure out. There's no reason that a school can't use this. This is a reasonable assessment of any appy. All of these kind of forms, there's no reason that we need to have you know, 145 different forms for 145 different colleges. That makes it incredibly hard for the preceptor to do what they want to do, which is unpaid. So the amount of time it takes to write these recommendations, the hours it takes for a single student, none of that is paid. All the work they spent with you, not paid. Okay. So yeah, they're doing it out of the goodness of their heart, but is it too much to ask for them to have two different ways of grading someone where in this college where honors is highly recommend and then on this document it's highly recommend is just the baseline really it's just okay that's where 80 percent of the time it should be and so some preceptors especially new ones just like all right well i recommend them okay and that was a positive thing so when it comes to fixing this, uh, your recommendations can carry over, but what you have to figure out is which is the toxic recommendation. So the easiest way to do this is once you get, you know, the majority of rejections and you can just tell them flat out, look, you know, and fortunately I got rejected from the sites that I had applied to residency. Uh, I wanted to see if you could share your recommendation with me now that, you know, the process is basically over for me. Uh, that way I could look at the things that you had recommended that I improve so that I can work on either improving them now or uh, improving them in the future so that I can maybe get a residency uh, in the phase two, second phase, or uh, in uh, ensuing year. And most of them, especially those that gave you a positive recommendation, will be happy to send it to you. However, those that did not write you a positive one will may just not answer or may just say here you go this is what I wrote and there it's gonna be where you know I recommend with reservations or I do not recommend and you say well how, how could you possibly do that and it really comes down to well they don't have that much of a relationship with you they've been with you for a couple of weeks and yes I get that those couple of weeks impact your work for the last five and a half years, you know, or whatever it works out to be. It's very difficult. And 
And the first thing you want to do is give yourself some grace. This is the first time you're applying to residency, maybe even the first time you're ever applying for a full-time salaried job. And you had so much faith in those that were teaching you to be plain that, look, I, I can't highly recommend you. And I have said that to a student or two, not many, um, where I said, you know, I know what you need to get that residency. And the recommendation I would give you would not move you forward towards that goal. I'm not saying I won't write one, but I'm just saying that I know what you want. And I felt that that was enough dignity to say, look, it's your choice. But the experience that we had together was not at the level that you need. And it's it's hard to expect that in all five or six that you would have such an experience where there was a great fit. You showed your energy and your best qualities and all those things. Okay? So when it comes down to rejections because of recommendations and uh, most of the 1,600 that will be rejected are rejections because of recommendations. Um, there's, it's not just a coincidence that 20% of the applicants get rejected immediately, no interview, and that 20% of the recommendation forms have anything less than highly recommend. So this is just the easiest way to kind of weed out that pile and, and make it smaller and more manageable for the residency site. So I'm, I'm really sorry if this is something that happened to you. I really am. And, uh, the, you know, all you can do is control what you're going to do next, which is apply to phase two with hopefully a new recommender in the spot of the one that didn't feel that that you were at the level of someone who's going to be a resident and uh, to make sure that you are clear on why you match the particular program and that you have made clear to your recommenders as to your fit from their particular program. So I know it's a tough go. Uh, it, it really is. And you're going to feel let down and you're going to feel like, I cannot believe I did all that work with you for five weeks or four weeks or even six weeks. And you put that I recommend with reservations and you wouldn't tell me that. Okay. And the question is, did you actually ask? And the answer is probably no. But should you have to? No, I don't think so. I think that it's respectful for a preceptor to say, hey, I, I know what this could do to you. And I, I just feel that it, I am not the best person uh, to write a recommendation for you. And I get it. If you're in a six-week program and you're, you've only got a couple of choices, it was that or bust. Uh, and unfortunately, it, it went the wrong way. So, all right. Well, we're getting on 20 minutes, which I, I don't really like to go over. So um, if you need my help, uh, you know, maybe something got rejected because of uh, the recommendation, you know, give me an email, TonyThePharmacist at gmail.com. Again, I'm not going to judge you. I'm just going to judge what happened and try to give you some next steps if I can. Uh, and then if you are interested, uh, residency.teachable.com. There's a phase two course now uh, that can kind of explain the process, uh, but also uh, what we would do is um, immediately, so that we can do something right away, uh, is we would revise your letter of intent to the first 
you know, or top one that you got rejected from, so that now you'll have a template to start working on those letters as soon as it starts because it is a week-long process rather than a months-long process where you have to have your letters and your applications in on the first day. And so you'll have about four days to get everything together for your application. And so it's going to be critical that you get have a bunch of stuff already done, already ready, your recommenders ready, your letters ready, just the tweaks that, that make it fit whatever programs are available. And I, I'm guessing that there will be a few extra programs available this year uh, because I think that not as many programs got as many applications as they had in the past. I think that last year was a bit of an anomaly and, and there were extra applications. So I think that there are going to be more opportunities in phase two, but to succeed in phase two, you must apply on the morning. And uh, there's a point where they'll just shut it down and you won't be able to apply to a number of sites uh, after that time because they just run out of time. I mean, they, they just don't have the manpower to do something like that. So, all right, well, I don't really like episodes like this, but uh, Tony the pharmacist at gmail.com if you need my help.